Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 342 for May 10th, 2022. Today's guest is Brandon Elliott, who is the founder, executive, and artistic director of Choral Arts Initiative, an organization solely dedicated to bringing new music by living artists to life. We'll be talking about their latest work entitled From Wilderness, how it came to be, how a break that was unintended really helped it come to fruition, and a lot of other stuff. We had a really great conversation. By the way, I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 16 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com, hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron, or you can email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. Hello. It's been a while since the last podcast. Um, I don't want to get too into it. Maybe I will at the end of the show. It's been... Uh, I've had some... <laughs> Challenges. I've been talking about these challenges on the podcast for a long time. I didn't really realize that maybe something else was going on that I needed to get um, addressed. So now let's so this whole thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, how do you even talk about this? Uh, I have depression and it's mental health awareness month. So I guess now is a good time to talk about it. I've been really struggling, as you know, longtime listeners and my patrons. Um, I have been kind of under a veil of like yuck for quite a while since before the before the pandemic and um really just trying to like strong arm myself into finding motivation and I need help so I've been getting help for the last week the last couple of weeks I started uh seeing a doctor and I feel like I'm oversharing um all of that is to say uh I feel good I've, and I'm okay um, but this podcast and a lot of podcasts, it's been choppy for quite a while. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, all of that said, today's interview is late. Um, it's amazing. It's a really great conversation, but you're going to hear us talking about some dates that have already happened, um, about a release and a premiere, but I wanted to leave it all together so you could hear it in its, um, in its entirety. Um, uh, but no, like the piece we're talking about is now an album that is available streaming everywhere. Uh, so you should definitely check it out. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to go right into <laughs> listening to some selections from, from the piece from wilderness. This is, uh, selections from, uh, from three of the pieces, uh, Sierra's number one, number two, and number three. And this is just part of this amazing piece. It's written for chorus, uh, cello, and crystal singing bowls. Um, it's a really cool piece. And our conversation with Brandon is really cool too. Uh, thanks for this for enduring this sort of uh, kind of all over the place slash oversherry introduction. But I felt like I really wanted to kind of address that and also kind of yeah, I don't know. I'll talk more about it at the end of the show. So uh, thanks for listening. And here are selections from From Wilderness.
Joining me now on the podcast is Brandon Elliott. He's the founder, executive, and artistic director of Coral Arts Initiative, which is a lot of different things. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, it's a lot of hats. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like we just listened to some music, um, but I guess before we talk about that, maybe you could give a uh, let us know what the Coral Arts Initiative is. It seems like it's not something you could just like do a nutshell about, but. Um, so you yeah, do a lot. well, let, let, let's see if I can. So Coral Arts Initiative, we're in our 10th season right now. And uh, we started, our, our founding was really focusing on the premise of we, we, need to, we need to amplify the voices of living composers better. And particularly in our area, that just was not happening at a rate that I thought was really... Uh, accessible for composers. It's like, how do these composers that are writing music today, how do they even get a chance? So that was sort of the founding premise for the organization. Fast forward 10 years, we've premiered over 70 works. We're commissioning our 20th and 21st work, uh, looking for the next couple seasons ahead. And again, our, our passion, our calling is to champion the works of living composers. Mm. It, which is a 
neat. Like I'm a musician and a composer, and I remember like being in school and even after school, I was working with a uh, a composer friend of mine who was helping me like write a piece and kind of going to her for lessons in a way. And um, when it was finished, I was like, so now what? Like, what do I do to like get someone yeah. to perform this? And it was just a string quartet with electronics and piano. And um, and she was like, oh, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. And I sort of like, because of that and just because I like to, I sort of found a way to just start performing things on my own. But I mm-hmm. remember having this moment of like, oh, but I just did all this <laughs> work to make this. And now like no one's going to be chomping at the bit to perform it. Um, right. So it's cool for that reason to know to know what well you and do. as a conductor i had that same realization from the conductor's angle which was uh when i was in school there was a colleague of mine that had this beautiful composition i remember saying like why isn't it getting performed and you know my friend jokingly balked back like yeah i'll just have you know conspirare sing this next week like come on <laughs> so it was my realization too that oh like yeah, there really isn't an avenue to go from here's a completed work, now let's get it performed. And not that Choral Arts Initiative has the capacity to just take on every single new piece that's created because, my God, I wish we could, but we cannot. But it does give at least just one small platform to to give some composers a chance. And that's sort of our ethos is we're giving these new living composers a chance. And uh, speaking of new living composers, there's a piece, your your current piece is called uh, Wilderness, and it's, well, there's a lot going on with this piece because it was sort of interrupted by COVID. Right. Um, and that's what we listened to before this interview started. So, um, well, people who are listening, now you know, <laughs> we're talking about this thing being put together, and there's a premiere and an album that's in process now, right? Yeah, so it was... You know, this is such a, it's been such a rewarding project. And while COVID was certainly an inconvenience, I'm not going to diminish that, that, <laughs> that fact. <laughs> but I will say in some ways, the pandemic gave us space for pause, which the piece really calls for anyway. And it allowed all of the choral artists, it allowed uh, everyone involved in this project, it gave them just a little bit more space to sit with the, with the piece. And in many ways, I'm so glad it happened that way, because when we finally went into the recording studio to capture the music, it was just eons better than what I think it would have been had we recorded it in March of 2020. Hmm. Uh, but that said, you know, yes, in April, we have a lot of things happening. So April 22nd is the release, and it'll be available literally anywhere you consume music, physically, digitally. And then two days later, on Sunday, April 24th, will be the actual live premiere of the piece. And then the following week, we also have a 10th anniversary celebration where we'll also be celebrating the release of that album. So there's a lot going on. And with the piece itself, it's uh, to me, it's just as much visually as it is sonically appealing because to our knowledge and to our research on this, it's, it's probably the first chorus plus sound bath experience that we're mm-hmm. aware of. And so you see these beautifully colored bowls lined up across the different elements of the stage. And the singers are simultaneously playing and singing uh, some of these bowls. And then there's also the separate chakra movements, which are full two, two and a half minute sound baths. It's a really stunning work. And of course, it's all through the lens of navigating the Pacific Crest Trail, which is this sprawling um, 
adventure that trails all the way from Mexico up to Vancouver, Canada. And it speaks to the sometimes adverse journey that that mm. entails, going through deserts and mountains and all sorts of different elements. Uh, the composer's name is Jeffrey Darius. Did I pronounce yeah, it? Yes, Jeffrey Darius. Darius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is he um, also a member of the chorus? Yeah, he is a founding member of the choir. He's my dearest friend. We have uh, known each other since I think uh, he was a freshman and I was a sophomore in undergrad. Uh, that's yeah. beautiful. The the piece, um, when I first heard about this piece, that was one of the first things that grabbed me, the idea of these beautiful singing bowls. Um, mm-hmm. And people who are listening, there's a series of, um, of videos on the YouTube channel, which I'll link in the show notes, um, for the choir. And you, it's really interesting. I've only, <laughs> full disclosure, I've only watched the first of them. Um, okay. But it's really interesting hearing what, how, how COVID, I mean, it uprooted all of us, but in particular, this piece and the idea of an organization that is an ensemble, like you all have to perform and breathe a lot <laughs> in the same space. Right. So, um, Hearing that and from having the same perspective, I guess it really had me rooting for you guys. Like when when you start talking about the recording is happening and we are going to perform this in a real space, you know, I was really like, yeah, like I'm really ready to go. I'm always like hesitant to ask COVID questions because I'm always like, oh, people are tired of this. But it's where we are. And especially in your case, it's a huge, you know, it really affects what you're doing. Were you able to continue anything during quarantine or was it really like inner work for everyone yeah so you know it one could argue it was perfect timing and others could argue it was the worst timing but i actually had a sabbatical from choral arts initiative that fall of Mm. 2020 so the summer into the winter of 2020 when we were just in the thick of things so uh, our assistant conductor at the time, Daniel G, a uh, fantastic conductor and musician, uh, he uh, led these, um, he led a couple of virtual performances. And then when things started, when the first wave started to diminish, they did something outdoors, physically distanced with masks. And they just sang one song together just because the singers were just like, please, like, let's mm. sing something. Uh, so that was sort of the extent of it at first and then we thought things were getting better again right so we were gearing up for okay it's gonna be spring 2021 and then of course the next wave came and so we really didn't jump back into anything until this past fall this past november we finally had a live in-person performance and it was it was glorious it was great Mm. we're all appreciating being together and making art experiencing art uh a lot differently now i mean needless to say well, it's like, you know, and child, we, we should know this. I mean, children know this from the moment they, you know, understand loss, right? We often don't realize how much we care for something or need something or want something until it's taken away. And then we're like, wait a minute, I need that. I, you know, and so it, it's been a great centering and reset for me because sometimes showing up to rehearsal feels like a job mm. because literally it is, but it's also way more than that. And covid allowed me to co- sort of reset and recenter on on the privilege that we have the joy that we have getting to make music yeah it's our job yeah and you know like that's another one of those things that we forget as you know 
as musicians, like as professional musicians, it's really easy to get into job mode with so much of the work that we do. Um, and I hadn't really thought about that. Like I do a lot of my work just on my own. So um, it, it's, it's a little different, but there is that, that um, it's nice to have that reminder that, oh yeah, this is something that my life is better because I do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You talked a little bit about how, um, how the, the break in the process or, you know, having the process disrupted with this particular piece. Um, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but took it to a, a different place. Is that something you could talk more about? Sure. So I'll start with one of the most concrete examples of that is, of course, when the shutdown first happened, when it first happened, I was pretty devastated. Like I thought... I had some friends be like, hey, like, we just get to work from home. Like, things could be a lot worse. I was devastated. Mm. It was like my, and, you know, it's also been a holistic experience of, wow, a lot of my identity is attached to my work, which that's also a little concerning. Mm. But it was just, it was horrible uh, at first. And I remember I would just, like, have these spells where I would just, like, be sitting reading a book and just start breaking out into tears. Like, it was very bizarre. Uh, but one thing that always gave me comfort was, you know, I live in an area where there's like hundreds of hiking trails. So I just started hiking all the time hmm. because what else am I going to do? Right. <laughs> so it was one of the few, you know, deemed safe activities was, you know, going outside, staying physically distant from others. So I went on hikes all the time. And while I've always appreciated nature, uh, I think I found a very sincere and meaningful connection to nature during COVID because it was like my one escape, the only safe escape, uh, especially early on in the pandemic. And I would go on all these different trails and see all of these different things. And it drew me right back to the piece, which is all about immersing oneself in nature. Hmm. And so I'm just, I'm just convinced that having that deep appreciation of nature, the way the wind sounds when it blows through grass or trees or bushes or flowers, or the way certain sunlight reflects across certain parts of water, bodies of water, just that, that sense of awe infuse itself into a new interpretation for From Wilderness for me. Were there uh, any parts of the, of the, the piece that you were able to connect with. Um, what am I trying? I'm just I'm just picturing you talking to the composer about a particular part portion of the of the piece and saying, "I took a I took a hike, you know, this spot for the first time, and I realized, you know, were there were there connections that you were able? This is such a weird roundabout question. <laughs> Did you, does it make sense what I'm what I'm headed toward? Yeah, well, I will say this. I mean, when I would go on these hikes and or sometimes even just driving, that's another thing I did. I would just drive along Pacific Coast Highway. And for those that aren't familiar with California, it's like you're literally driving on a freeway or on a highway parallel to the Pacific Ocean. It's just mm. a beautiful drive. You roll down the windows and you have the, the ocean breeze. Literally, anytime I was driving or hiking, I would just sort of internally recite passages of text from the piece that would just, maybe they weren't a direct literal connection to what I was seeing, but there would just be these, almost these chants that, that I would repeat to myself. And they were always from, from wilderness. It was little excerpts of text. And so I can't say that there's any one particular segment of the music that has a direct connection. But what I will say is 
multiple elements of the piece would draw to me, whether it was a sound or a particular line of text. One that always recurred to me is it's a very short passage in the piece, but it's a stunning excerpt of music. It's from Wilderness I Was Made. And when I would be out on these hikes, again, it was almost like a renewal, a sense of recentering. And it was like, I'm being made here, like in the middle of this trail. Again, I'm having this newfound perspective on life. Hmm. I don't want to get too woo-woo about this whole thing, <laughs> but like I am a woo-woo person and it sounds like this is one of those things that feels like, and it's so tricky to say this about COVID because it, so many people got sick and so many people died. Right. There are also, there are also moments um, like this where it enabled, enables you and us to have a different type of experience than what we would have had before. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really just... Well, and it has it has created a paradigm shift in my general approach to score study, which is, I wonder what would it be like if every piece I'm about to conduct, I get to sit with longer. Mm. Because I'm convinced that spending that extra time with the piece just, again, gave me such an... Um, I don't even know the right word. It's just It just gave me such a more meaningful connection to the music. And I think sometimes as conductors, especially, again, if we're fortunate and we're working with many different ensembles and we're just one gig and one performance to the next, it sort of just becomes like, all right, what's my next batch of scores? Let me mark it up. Let me study it. Okay, I have a pretty good understanding of it. I've talked to the composer. Great, let's perform it. Whereas how nice would it be, you know, if we had the luxury of time, which we could go on a separate rant about time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we had the luxury of time, um, I just can only imagine how much more profound the music making would be if I had two years to live with every score I get to conduct. I'm just convinced it would be astronomically different. Yeah, I, I feel like there might be a a second conversation slash rant about how we're kind of um, forced to workify our art, you know, like yeah. and keep things moving to to keep our lives afloat, you know, to keep the yeah. projects coming. Um, it's really, so all, all this stuff is so interesting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, there's a spot in your mission that I read on the website that I really would love to hear more about. It says, we believe that we have the opportunity to be a living metaphor that celebrates unity. Is that something yeah. you could talk more about? Sure. So, you know, I, I remind any choir I work with, I'm sure they can all attest at some point I'll talk about this, that, I can think of no greater living metaphor that we have in our lives that demonstrably articulates the power of community. Because you have, especially like take an honor choir where it's people from different districts, different schools, yet they come together. They have no idea who they are. They all have different backgrounds, beliefs, orientations, you name it. And yet, they come together in unison and harmony. And I'm using the broader sense of those words. And what an incredible life lesson that, you know, in a time where we see so much division, uh, in a time where we see so much anger and despair and separateness and otherness, I just, I'm convinced if they just sang in choir, <laughs> if everyone sang in <laughs> choir, things would be so much better. Because, you know, yes, we're learning how to sing together, but more than that, we're learning how to just exist together in harmony and unison. And I think there's a parallel to that. You know, there's often the adage that, 
Getting a choir to sing pristine unison is really one of the most difficult things that, a, that you can do. And I think that directly correlates to our society, right? And so I, that's what I think we mean by that is it, it's just the most demonstrable metaphor I can think of for ideal community, the real sense of community that I think we all want, that we all strive for. Mm. You, you take me back to middle school when I was like, I'd been in like a two-part choir in middle school and I graduated to the four-part choir and I'll never forget the first day in rehearsal. It was middle school and who knows how we sounded. But to me, it was like, oh my God, like it was four-part harmony happening and I was like yep. in a part of it, like I think just giving people that experience with other human beings would do a lot of good as well, like in yeah. addition to everything that you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I it's just, it's interesting when I work with, with singers and Choral Arts Initiative, some of them, you know, they're professional singers at Choral Arts Initiative, but their full-time day job is something other than music. And we've had discussions, I've had discussions with some of them that, you know, even just the harmonious working relation, take aside the actual musical harmony, but just the fact that everyone shows up, they know exactly what the shared purpose and goal and vision is for that day or that week or that month. And that's so different from commonplace work culture, where sometimes there is a sense of just like siloing or separateness and just everyone comes in, clocks in and does their own thing. So again, that sense of harmony, again, using the broad sense of the word, I think it's essential and I think it's something we all crave. And I just wish everyone could sing in choir as a result. I think it would make everyone a much kinder, much more open. Uh, it would just be great. Yeah. Oh, look, I don't know. It's so funny the things that get me like, yeah, you're like, I get very, I mean, I forgot how moving that middle school experience was, but it reminds mm -hmm. me. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's our solution. Like we've got, we got the world fixed right, right here. Yeah. Right. And, you know, for my college students, I've talked to them about this, that, you know, whether or not you decide you want to pursue music as a profession or continue making music, what life skills have we learned from choir that we could, that we could implement in our daily lives to make this next generation even better? And one thing they talk about, because we talk about it all the time, is we always want to save room on the stage for someone else. Uh, we always want to make sure that every voice is heard. And these are life skills that transcend choir that are just important for everyone to be mindful of. So, yeah, we could go on and on about that, but yeah. everyone needs to sing in choir right now. Make it happen, everyone. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's been so good to talk to you. Um, I want to touch on two things before we end. Um, and one is I need com confirmation from you first. Is there still a fundraiser going on for this project for Wilderness? So, no, we're fully funded on this project. That said, we do have our biggest fundraiser, our most ambitious fundraiser yet, which is we launched a 10-month campaign, which ends August 31st of this summer. Uh, for our season 10, we want to raise $100,000. So that is still ongoing. And uh, we are we are well on our way towards meeting that goal. But of course, you know, we're at the six-month mark. So we, we're on our final stretch here. Mm. As you're saying that, I realize I want to throw out, just so pe people who are listening, just an extra little piece of what you all do, which is to these workshops that you do with the composers, with a lot of this real world, how to be a composer, you know, in right. the world. Um, does that happen with, did I see that it happens with K through 12 as well? There are some workshops that you do? 
So we, yeah, we actually, we used to focus almost exclusively on K through 12 outreach and education programs. And then during one of our strategic planning sessions, we realized, you know what, there's so many other choral organizations doing amazing work in the K-12 setting. Where can we create more impact? And we quickly, through some research and through some analysis, we realized it's college graduates, it's people that that are aspiring to be composers but have not had that first premiere or don't know how to take their skill and their craft and introduce it to the marketplace. Henceborn was Premiere Project. So we uh, invite up to 15 composers, anyone that considers themselves a learning composer. And we've had composers that are 18, 19. We've had composers that are 50 to 60. And it's an incredibly um, powerful week of learning, development, craft refinement. Um, it's just a fantastic week. And so we're so excited to bring it back this summer, emerging from COVID. We just were really looking forward to it. Uh so, so many reasons to contribute. <laughs> I'm taking it back to that. And I'll put links in the show notes to all of this, um, you. including your website and uh, social. Do you want to throw out the name of the, the website URL and some social media stuff too? Sure. So you could find Coral Arts Initiative just by uh, typing, typing in coralartsinitiative.org. We're also on pretty much any social media platform, just at Coral Arts OC, which is Orange County. And uh, that that should pretty much get you anywhere that we're we're on on the on the interwebs. Ah, uh, perfect. Ah, it's so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining yes, me. Yes, thank you for having me. And so we come to the end of yet another podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, uh, Brandon Elliott, and also thank you, Amanda Sweet. And apologies to both of you for the, the delay in getting this interview up. Um, it was so delightful, and I really enjoyed this conversation. So. Worth waiting for, I'm thinking. Yes, that's a strange way to talk. Um, otherwise, in the beginning of the show, I said I might touch back on this whole depression issue. I'm not going to. <laughs> I wrote a post about it on Patreon. Maybe I'll just make that post uh, uh, public. I don't want to just go on and on and on about it. And I still feel, you know, like, like there's a stigma to mental health, right? Like, and I think that's part of what made it take so long for me to kind of just look at my own stuff. So um, I just feel funny <laughs> going on about it even more. I already feel funny about what I've shared. So um, it, let me know. If, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, look forward to the next podcast. Um, things are feeling brighter in my world. And um, I hope things are going okay with you. Let me know how you're doing. I always love to hear from listeners. Shoot me an email at mikeypod at gmail.com or you can find me on social media. And uh, that's it. Sincerely, thank you for listening, and I'll, I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>